Welcome to Season 5 of Writers' Festival Radio, broadcasting from the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation. My name is Sean Wilson. I'm the Artistic Director of the Ottawa International Writers' Festival, Canada's Festival of Ideas since 1997. We're celebrating 25 years of community connection, and I want to give special thanks to our amazing volunteers who make it all possible, and to thank you for supporting the festival, authors, booksellers, and each other. Today on Episode 2 of Season 5, we're bringing you a conversation between poets Ellen Chang Richardson and David Lee. Ellen Chang Richardson is an award-winning poet of Taiwanese and Chinese-Cambodian descent. They co-founded Riverbed Reading Series, are a member of the Poetry Collective Seven, and their debut full-length collection, Blood Belies, is out in spring 2024. They spoke with Relit Poetry Award nominee and winner of the inaugural Austin Clark Prize in Literary Excellence, David Lee, about his second collection, Dream of Me as Water. Here's Ellen. Yeah, I'm super excited to be um, chatting with you because we first touched base in April 2021 with the release of your first book, Mythical Man. And now we're back here celebrating the release of your second, Dream of Me as Water. Um, I'm, I'm excited to dive in, but before I do, I was wondering if you could read us a couple pieces from your collection. For sure. Um, yeah, we'll dive, right, we'll dive right into Dream of Me as Water. Um, so this first poem um, is kind of like a, a sequel poem, I guess, to what was established in Mythical Man. So in Mythical Man, there were two poems um, called, I think, Waking at the Beginning of the World and then Walking Together at the End of the World. So this first poem from Dream of Me is Water is called Waking Alone in Another Dream After Walking Together at the End of the World. The water ripples and I jolt awake on my back. Two full green moons stare down at me. I'm alone when we're together, holding hands, walking across a liquid landscape. On my own, my imagination spins as many possibilities as there are constellations in this unfamiliar sky, but I still can't explain why you can't exit this dream with me. We shared unspoken promises to never be apart. But this is what happens when you believe in mythical men and walk with them at the end of the world. The moons are drowning in approaching sunshine and I'm still breathing. The brighter it gets, the more clicks and whistles come from beneath the water. I bob up and down as the sea moves around me its muscular hands holding my arms and neck, caressing before releasing, taking its haunted songs back to the deep. Without you, I can actually stay afloat, even if it's just in another dream. And then I'm gonna read, let's see, for the second poem, I want to read actually the, the the next poem. I'll read one that's closer to the end of the book, um, just because I'm feeling it. <laughs> this one's called Swamp Song. I find myself in a swamp where leaves change before my eyes, though I never feel the seasons transition. Taking off my face 
I hide it in an alcove of roots that twist up from the murky water. Soon, I hear a piano playing a slow down version of a pop song I recognize, but don't know the name of. And I start to run, making sure to feel every rock, the mud, the water's resistance. The faster I go, the more likely it is that I'll never know the name of the song, but it's not important, especially when I encounter the music of frogs competing to be heard, each one believing they are louder than the next. <clears throat> oh, thank you so much. Um, I, I want to talk about Swamp Song in a bit, but we'll get back there. I think where I want to start is actually with the feeling that leaves me with your first piece. Um, you know, it's, it's a feeling that reverberates within me about this entire collection um, and kind of how it like veers away from Mythical Man in this yeah. way too, about how it's so ethereal and how all of the poems are ethereal, um, where, I mean, they're still tackling similar topics in mythical man, but in a more meditative way. And I'm interested in hearing about the evolution of your writing from your mm -hmm. previous project to this, and maybe even what's next. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that you, um, and interesting and also like really sweet that you picked up kind of the etherealness of this collection and the poems. And I think you kind of touched on something that is true where I think mythical man, it was more of a, uh, a reactive collection. And it was very like, kind of punch in the gut poems, I feel like. They were very like strong and, and sturdy in what they were gonna say, especially about, you know, the, the themes in it. Um, Dream of Me is Water. I wouldn't say they're kind of less meditative. I think they're just, they sit longer with the themes and they kind of dissect them at a more kind of intimate way in a different intimacy than Mythical Man had. Dream of Me is Water is, I think, lighter. So in that approach, in that sense, that the approach to the poems is different from Mythical Men, where they're kind of quieter in, in what they have to say. And kind of, I wanted to leave that kind of harshness of Mythical Men into a more kind of free-flowing um, etherealness, I guess, um, with the whole personality of the collection. Does that answer your question? Um, it does. It, um, would you say that yeah. your writing itself has also gone in this direction? I mean, we writers always get this question a lot, don't we? But I think mm -hmm. it's one that's really interesting. Yeah, I think it's softer now. Um, the whole kind of ethos of Dream of Me as Waters is just softer than Mythical Man, right? Mythical Man, even that, that the, the title was very like, um, it was going to leave like a like an impact. Like Mythical Man is very strong, I think. <laughs> And that's, and that's why we veered towards that title, because that title and that whole ethos really uh, encapsulated what was in that collection, very strong and bold. It was Dream of Me as Water is lighter, like I said already. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it really captures or re is reflective of my writing now, where it is um, not so loud, but still, I think, um, loud in what it has to say, just not in such a loud way. <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely still think it's loud in what it has to say. And I think it's, mm. it says it with a sophistication. Like, um, I love the softness of Dream of Me as Water. I think, um, you know, there's this beauty in, in the water as metaphor, but it's also, there's a lot of water books right now. And I, I love that. I think we there need are. some, so, yeah, <laughs> it's very refreshing. Um, so actually I want to tap into that playfulness. I mean, there is a playfulness in this collection mm -hmm. and, you know, in, in the imagery 
as well as in the way that it directly speaks to it, your previous work. Um, can right. you talk about, you know, so for those who haven't picked up the book yet, A, please go and pick up the book. But also you'll notice if you read David's earlier work that there's actually a lot of poems that talk directly to previous yeah. pieces. So yeah. could you chat a bit about that and, and yeah. the process that led you to select those pieces? For, for sure. Like I, I'm always kind of like a sucker for like, really contained stories that kind of speak to each other. I love, like, this is going to sound cheesy, but I love, like, I love, I think it comes from my love of movies that, like, kind of speak to one another, right? Like, there's always, like, kind of small contained universes. And the poems, I want to really create that because Mythical Man created a world for me um, in, in just what it was. And I want to dream of me water to kind of, like, reflect different perspectives in that same kind of world. So that first poem I read, Waking Alone in Another Dream, I thought it'd be really cheeky and fun to kind of speak directly to the last poem in Mythical Man, where it's walking together at the end of the world. And Dreamy is Water, that that poem, Waking Alone into Another Dream, I love how it speaks directly to that poem. Like, this is what happens when you walk with mythical men in, in, at the end of the world. And what happens, I think, in that narrator's perspective is you don't really always get what you want, even though you're following these kind of mythical um, ideas of people, right? And and in the end, you have your kind of yourself that is what's like the reality and waking up alone in another dream, you wake up and you realize oh, you're alone. It's still, everything's okay, you know, even though you abandon that mythic ethos of, um, I guess in this poem, this in partnership and in, in, in relationships, right? It's, um, yeah, I wanted to really have a poem to leave behind some mythical men. And I think that poem encapsulate, encapsulates that nicely, if that um, touches on what you're asking. Mm-hmm, it definitely, <laughs> it definitely does. It actually also makes me think about this broader idea of um, what's left after you walk with mythical men. Um, you yeah. can kind of like see it, in in the world that we current live currently live in i think it's it's a conversation i've been having with a lot of people at random mm-hmm. barbecues um but anyway yeah but also yeah and i love how i also think like the idea of um what you said kind of that broader it contributes to that broader conversation of what happens when kind of what we believe in doesn't pan out how we mm-hmm. want right um yeah and, and then what's left is you know you and the whole idea of dream of me as water is dream of me as dream of me as anything. That's kind of what I wanted to, to say. Um, and yeah, so was it, was it going to, I forgot what I was going to say earlier, but uh, let's just keep going and maybe we'll come I, back to I, I love the idea of, um, of water as anything. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it also, it also comes back to like water as healing and water as regeneration and water as cleansing. Yeah. Um, it's something that runs through both of our cultures, but also the cultures of the people who yeah. are indigenous here. And it's mm-hmm. something that I would hope that certain government bodies are going to remember in the next little bit, but I think that's going completely off tangent. <laughs> I want to go back um, to, to the creatures that live in your waters, to the creatures that live yeah. in, <laughs> in Dream of Mia's water. Can you, can you okay. Yeah. There's a lot of them, first off. I think some that stood out to me most were the octopuses and the beta fishies. Um, Mm. I also love the mysterious creature with the long tail and the deep, dark deep. Yeah. Um, 
And so I, I have two parts to this question. The first part I want to ask is, all of these creatures are 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 different. Actually, they're they're found in different waters. Um, you talk about mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So, like, I think I had a lot of fun with that. I've um, well, first off, I'll start. I'll, I'll start off by saying I think um, I'm just been always fascinated by creatures made up, real, whatever. Like, they're just they're so fun to like think about and like imagine and incorporate into my writing that's how I have fun in my writing playing with those ideas of like creatures mythic or real um and so dream of me is water I've always kind of had an affinity to water um like ask anybody that kind of knows me my family or like my friends and they'll say like kind of like I'm just always been that weird kid who just loves sea creatures kind of thing um um I think it persists throughout adulthood as well like I have them tattooed all over my body and the sense so that it's kind of natural for them to appear in this collection and I think with water there, there's such like a um there's such a rich opportunity there to dive into all the creatures there I think um well um, as poets I think there's always that cliche going on that poets always um have affinity towards birds Poet, poets always love a good bird metaphor oh no I'm being dragged <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Like, you always write about birds and how they're flying, and, and so I'm like, what about what if I just don't do that? Because the birds haven't really always interested me. In this sense, unless we're talking about dinosaurs, that's another topic. <laughs> but like, so for me, I just want to, yeah, I just want to just dive down and be like, what about the creatures in this in the water? You know, that has a lot of opportunity there to be explored. They don't fly, but they have such different methods of swimming and they look so different and they all, and they can be also symbolic in, in such rich ways, right? the octopus, um, the beta fish that bites its own reflection. There's like an, such an accessible and like beautiful metaphor there already that I just had to explore in this collection. And yeah, it was fun coming up with, like you were touching on the beta fish and octopus. Those were kind of easy go-to pieces for me, but like you were talking about that creature with the mysterious tail. I think you're speaking to that poem Ocean Boy um, in the collection. So Ocean Boy, um, maybe we'll be the second one of the poems I can read for you later. That was basically came out of um, a science headline on CNN or something like that, where they discovered water on, I think it was a, like a small planet, a moon called Ceres, um, or Ceres, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. Is that one of Jupiter's moons? I think so. It was one uh, of Jupiter's moons. It's like C-E-R-E-S, right? Yes. I think I read yes. that, yeah. Yeah, so, and they and discovered there was like frozen oceans on it and, and cryovolcanoes on it. When I read that headline, I was kind of like, oh, that's so creepy. Like, what well, that live? feeds back to your dinosaur. Yeah, actually, I was yeah. going to say that dinosaurs are actually closer to sea creatures than they are to birds, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now I have to... So like, yeah, but so like Ocean Boat was a poem exploring what, in my mind, would live on Ceres at the bottom of its oceans, kind of. Yeah, so I can read them, read that poem if you like. I would love that, but first yeah. I had to Google Ceres because mm. I was wrong. It's actually a dwarf planet. Dwarf and planet, right? Yeah, it's the largest object in the asteroid belt between Mars and mm -hmm. Jupiter. So I got one so, end of it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I read more into it, like how it's so. It's basically just like a frozen world with like cryovolcanoes and like that's so crazy to think about like volcanoes that's super, super cold stuff. <laughs> so my poem Ocean Boy, which I'll read now, is um, kind of an homage and an imagining to what would live there. Ocean Boy. 
at the top at the bottom of an ocean concealed by ice a long muscular tail wraps itself around a pulsing orb of light that illuminates indentations on see-through skin where eyes might have evolved given the opportunity he fantasizes about releasing a warmth he's always held uncurling his tail and swimming further into the cold abyss to satisfy his curiosity for what else exists in the dark or else he could swim towards the light sense from below burst through a frigid surface where cryovolcanoes ooze hoping his gills could handle the atmosphere since the compulsion to stay in one place has started to feel like a curse and a galaxy with billions of stars is nestled in an ocean world there are new horizons for a being with nowhere to go trapped in a subsurface reservoir responsible for holding unknown existences he's never questioned now on the edge of the knowable yeah so it's not really fascinating how we discovered this kind of protoplanet and there's like not much known about it but there's probably so much there to know and this kind of boy was kind of reflective i guess of that and indulging my love of you know alien creatures and and also speaking like. back to like you know existence mm -hmm. yeah, speaking back to like human mm -hmm. existence i mean yeah we think we know a lot but really we're like i i was looking at this image um through nasa the other day speaking about space and it was basically like here is earth and here is earth within yeah. our solar system and here is earth yeah. within the known solar systems and here is earth within like all these starbursts and all of the stars are actually solar systems and we're just it's less than a pixel yeah 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 so like that poem yeah like what you just said there kind of like this idea of humans like and what we know of what of ourselves mm -hmm. it kind of ties back into that dream of me is water that, that the whole thematic um umbrella it's under this is what can we dream about for ourselves when we're, there's so much of ourselves that we're still learning about right so um, yeah you're listening to Writers Festival Radio. As always, I want to thank you for listening and for supporting authors and booksellers through these difficult times. Our official bookseller is Perfect Books on Elgin Street, and wherever you are right now, there's an independent bookseller nearby who would be more than happy to sell you some great books. If you enjoy the podcast or any of our virtual programming, please consider making a charitable donation. We can't do this without your support. And now, back to the conversation. I want to go back to one of the first poems that you read for us mm -hmm. um, at the beginning, Swamp Song. And I want to highlight it because so I, I draw a lot of, you know, <clears throat> connections with my world through my study and time working in the contemporary art world. And to me, Swamp Song really resonated because it reminds me of the conceptual work of a YBA artist named Gillian Wearing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's a she's a young British artist who uses a physical mask as a recurring device for anonymity and empowerment in that anonymity, as well as, you know, protection and, and this idea of dislocation of truth. And in Swamp Song, you take off this face and you hide it in the in the in the bushes or in the in the, the roots. Yeah. Yes, in the roots, in the yeah. roots. Can you talk mm -hmm. about where truth exists within not just Swamp Song, but also within the yeah. body of work? Yeah, um, I think so, this body of work, it's 
again, we're going back to a departure. What was in Mythical Man? Mythical Man established kind of. So after Mythical Man now came out, um, it was it was seen as pretty very much as 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 one thing that it was like you know uh, a, a, a gay writers of colors response to racism and homophobia. And I found that the kind of predominant narrative when that book came out, which is not wrong, it's it's that's what it was. But I found it so tiring to talk about all the time. Um, so then I think what you what you kind of touched on, Swamp Song, is removing his water, takes off that mask, takes off that kind of identity and hides it in the water underneath the roots. It is that, so the whole idea of the book is kind of peeling back um, of what was previously seen and portrayed um, to present kind of more underneath the surface, right? It's it's very metaphorical, I think. And that's kind of, I think this, this is what it says, the whole like taking off, like you touched on, taking off a mask, one identity to reveal another. Um, and even then it's tricky to pinpoint what identity is being revealed because by the end of that poem, there's there's music playing, but it's it's the frogs croaking over one another. So it's quite noisy still, even though you think you found what you think you found, there's still quite a lot of noise and a lot of, um, yeah, a whole lot of other imagery there to, that muddles it, muddles an identity when you thought you've cleared it up kind of. Um, it's funny that you, I, I like how you touched on like, oh yeah, that poem really reminded me of a contemporary artist, which I don't know. It's like, oh, it makes it sound much so smarter than I am. But really, I think a lot of that poem came from like the imagery of, um, have you seen, have you seen Avatar, The Last Airbender? Of course I have. Okay, I'm yeah, of course you have. Do you <laughs> not know that episode where Aang goes to the spirit world and there's that Co the face yeah, dealer. The face yeah. dealer and he has yeah. to keep complete. Yeah. And he can't make any any Aang can't so like Aang, you know, the the airbender, the last airbender, yeah. he goes into the spirit world for anybody unfamiliar. And he's Ko the demon, he's a face stealer. And and for Ko to steal your face, you have to make some sort of expression. Yeah, and Ko's face. trying and he to steal your face. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And it's just fun. that's what I that's kind of where that idea of that poem came from of like this this face stealer i think that that image was very powerful with me i think from that episode <laughs> i can <laughs> actually see that too because ko lives in this like swampy area and then like the episode is also kind of sandwiched in between you know the the time frames where they're visiting that swamp and they they're like oh, okay. they're rediscovering I, don't I think it's within that time mm. frame that they read just that he's he's like um he hasn't met he hasn't met toff yet right like he's he hasn't met his oh, okay maybe not yeah so there's that this, yeah. that whole swamp thing too, where it's like drawing you in to this deep dark mm -hmm. place. But yeah, that I love that. I love yeah. that Avatar inspired that piece. Speaking going yeah. off tangent, did you see that they're doing a live action of Avatar coming yeah, out? Yeah, well, I mean, year? we'll see how good it is. Like, yeah, they have been really hitting the mark on that. So I know that's not good. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Also, I would never say I'm smarter than you. You are by. <laughs> so intelligent we just have different different smarts you know parallel smarts <laughs> um okay you have more creatures actually i want to ask about another creature yeah. that weaves its way through your work um and it's eels and right so i i want to know what eels mean for you because i know what eels mean for me they also kind of pop up in in my in my writing as well um, oh interesting yeah, and they're and they're very like slimy and and scary and super for me. gross. Yes, very, but very like interesting and they're very scary too. Like um, eels didn't really weave their way to more work 
really at all until like I just was kind of just thinking about them as I usually do about weird creatures. I'm like, hmm, eels are doing a weird one day. I think about eels a lot. And then I bought a book called um, A Book of Eels by Patrick Svensson, um, a translated book, I think. And it's just like a, an overall history of like eels. So I just read a book entirely on eels and it was so fascinating, like what they are and how they like procreate. And I didn't know eels actually go through some sort of um, metamorphosis mm-hmm. because their young are so tiny and, do they? Yeah. How, okay. So it was really what pure, pure curiosity. How do yeah. eels procreate? Well, they, you know, like, well, they actually interesting. So they, the book focuses on like kind of one main eel species, um, like the freshwater eel, the European freshwater eel. I think the brown freshwater eels, and uh, so they're freshwater, but it's interesting. They migrate out to the ocean to breed. So once a year, all these eels leave freshwater lakes and rivers and streams, and they go to a very specific small sea within the, I don't know, I forgot which ocean it was, but basically the sea is called the Sargasso wow. Sea, and that's where eels go to make their babies. And so it's interesting that you ask how eels procreate is, nobody knows. Like they go to the, the, the Sargasso Sea, but really nobody has documented how they procreate. Really, like it's still kind of very mysterious, and their babies turn out to like kind of look nothing like them, like a lot of sea creatures do. And eventually kind of like they hang out in the ocean, the babies eating like plankton, whatever. Uh-huh. And then they have to kind of metamorphosize into like a freshwater eel. And then they swim back up the old rivers, <laughs> back into so like great. freshwater lakes. They're so weird. Very yeah. weird. And so like I was really fascinated. So like, yeah, there's a poem in Dreamy's Water called Seas of Origin about who speaks about that, mm-hmm. speaks to that. And um, uses a metaphor to, about identity and the narrator me kind of returning back to kind of sea's origin when not but um yeah I don't know eels are just one of those weird creatures that kind of eeled their way into my brain and <laughs> and stayed there for their duration of this book and yeah <laughs> yeah I actually they, they yeah. do have a little mysterious quality about them in in that piece and in in the they're not as like light they're more like dark mm-hmm. dark mystery mystery yeah, like it though. I really like it. Um, okay, talking about your love of weird creatures and <laughs> um, mythical things. Yeah, don't you have an anthology coming out that you just edited? Oh uh, yeah, I edited um queer uh, with Daniel Zomparelli. Uh, we edited Queer Little Nightmares. Um, mm-hmm. It's an anthology of fiction and poetry, a monstrous fiction and poetry. So we we collected um. Uh, some poets and some fiction writers and they contributed short stories and poems having to do with like the queering of monsters and creatures and and yeah it was very yeah that was it was interesting because at the time I was kind of editing Dream of Venus Water we started collecting submissions for that anthology I was really drawn to like the weird you know um, cinematic movie monsters having to do with the ocean and you know swamp things and all that and yeah so like you know I'm not the only one who's like amazed by weird ocean creatures and weird sea monsters <laughs> what's what's next let's let's ask that ever dreaded slightly cliche question yeah. what's next for you it's 2022 um, there's 2023 yeah. <laughs> um i'm slowly writing poems for the third one um i have an idea of where it's gonna go uh i kind of have an idea of the creature on the cover so that's gonna help steer me in a way yes it will be probably another animal I, I'm, I'm envisioning like this kind of be like a trilogy um after mythical man dream is water and then the third one 
mm-hmm. to kind of cap this kind of specific, I guess, narrative off of identity. Um, but yeah, I'm just on, working on that. So I'm not really writing as much now just because just getting kind of busy. Um, so I'm taking kind of a break and just um, doing other stuff right now that's yeah. kind of not poetry related. So we just slowly coming along. <laughs> I love it. Writing takes time. Um, can mm. you lead us, leave us off with one or two last poems? Sure. With eight minutes. Let's go. What can I read? Let's go. Uh, I will read um, this poem. was called Same Ocean. Uh, yeah, so this is a nice poem to read because it kind of, it, it, uh, for readers of Mythical Man, you'll see the themes of like identity and race kind of pull through in the Dream Movies Water, but Same Ocean is a good representative of how I, I think the book approaches those themes in a lighter way, a more a kind of um, gentler way. So this poem, Same Ocean. Years after being asked, where are you from? I realized that I should have answered. Did you know that when seawater meets freshwater in the ocean, a boundary forms between them? Though they appear to not be mixing, it does happen slowly and over time two bodies, two places of belonging coming together. Despite efforts to keep us apart, to manifest an individual way of being, the parts that make up who we are, in a sense, are part of the same ocean. There is no other way to think about this metaphor. Only a grandfather who rigged his boat with a tractor engine to give the family a better life speeding across water with a few belongings, carrying an ocean's worth of culture that's filtered down generationally. When asked where I'm from again, I'd say that a man once dreamed of more before turning his gaze towards the ocean where two different bodies of water met and blended until he made landfall, attempting to walk forward knowing that his existence was forever bound to two places. Um, let's, uh, would you like, okay, how about you pick an animal for the last poem? And then we'll see what, so we have eels, we have octopuses, we have dinosaurs, we have a cuttlefish. Let's do a cuttlefish. A, a cuttlefish? Oh, yeah. I just saw that one. Also, before we go in there, I love that previous poem that you just read. Absolutely Thank one you. of my favorites over that. Yeah, that was one of the fun ones to write, even like um, just how it looks on the page. If you get mm-hmm. a chance to pick up the book, that poem, I'm really proud of how it turned out to look on the page because that's the thing I was playing with a lot in this book, with visual form of the poems. Because mm-hmm. um, water's so free and flowing, I wanted the poems to kind of uh, visually reflect that. Cuttlefish. I don't want to be what you expect, what you think, perceived through ink once used to reveal a part of me that I felt was needed in order to be seen. Look at me now, stripped of all chromatophores, unable to produce colors to stun you into a trance. Don't search for a version of me that's no longer here. These lines appear before you can see them coming. Eight arms open to shoot out tentacles that pull you in towards a bird-like beak. <laughs> kind of like an homage to one of my one of my favorite sea creatures. 
weird, weird ass cuttlefish. <laughs> You're so awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me again, David. Yeah, thank you for podcast having me. Series. I, it's, it's been so wonderful to kind of touch base, you know, a year and a bit after mm-hmm. we last spoke and see where you are and things, how things are going. Um, for everyone Likewise. listening. Oh, thank you. For everyone listening, David's second collection and newest book is out now. So go pick it up um, and hopefully see you all around. Thank you. That was Ellen Chang Richardson in conversation with David Lee about his second collection, Dream of Me as Water, which is now available from your favorite independent bookseller. Thanks to all our patrons, volunteers, and donors. And thanks to the Government of Canada, the Government of Ontario, the City of Ottawa, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, Ottawa Public Library, Carleton University, and CBC for their ongoing support. This podcast is produced by Aaron Flynn, original music and sound engineering by Mike Dubay, Kira Harris is our program director, and I'm Sean Wilson. Thank you for listening. Listening.